Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com You want to watch? Can't really do another true crime. What about? Oh my God. She even has your hair. The first question any platform is going to ask is, what's the hook? The first step is to recognize that you're not in control of this. That's Salma Hayek? Bingo. Hello, everyone. It's me, David Chen, here at Decoding TV. We're back after an extremely brief hiatus. And we have an exciting episode, exciting few episodes in store for you because we're going to be covering Black Mirror here at Decoding TV on the podcast and on the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Decoding TV, where we're broadcasting live right now. Joining me for this journey, she is a TV critic at Vulture.com. She also joined me previously for our recap of The White Lotus, which we all had a blast with. Roxana Haddadi, welcome back to Decoding TV. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm sad we won't have like a very in-depth discussion about whether like sex work is good or bad with these episodes. <laughs> Who knows? We haven't finished Who watching knows? Black Mirror yet, so maybe. Um, Who can say? But yes, uh, over the course of the next couple weeks, uh, Roxana Haddadi and I will be releasing three episodes covering Black Mirror Season 6. So the idea is that this episode is Black Mirror Season 6 Episodes 1 and 2, Joan is Awful, and Locke Henry. Uh, we're going to do one episode just covering Beyond the Sea, and then we will have another episode covering the last two episodes, episodes four and five. So, uh, And it will be coming out in the next couple weeks, basically. So we'll like, kind of try to space them out a little bit. Got a lot of other stuff coming out, too, here on Decoding TV. Uh, you should be looking forward to uh, coverage of The Bear, which is releasing uh, in a week or so, as well. Uh, the whole season is being dumped on Hulu. We'll probably do it this week in streaming to cover that. And Silo is ending in a couple weeks as well, so you can look forward to that. And there may or may not be one other show that is in the mix. So be sure to stay tuned to podcast.decodingtv.com uh, uh, to, to get updates uh, when that happens. You can also sign up for our email list at decodingtv.com. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, at Decoding TV. But yeah, I, I do want to mention Decoding TV exists and is able to continue because of paid subscribers at decodingtv.com. So uh, if you could become a free or paid subscriber, we'd really, really appreciate it. Again, that's at decodingtv.com. All right. Uh, Roxana Haddadi, before we get into like these specific episodes, uh, Joan is Awful and Locke Henry, let's talk for like a couple minutes about our overall thoughts on Black Mirror uh, and our thoughts like going into this season. Right. What, what, what's your when when before you watch these episodes? When I say the words Black Mirror, what are the connotations that come to mind? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I can easily think of connotations, but I think my relationship with Black Mirror is like very mixed. Like I sort of respect the anthology style. I mean, I love the anthology style, right? Like 
Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, I was a big fan. I think you get a lot of freedom thematically and narratively with this format. I just think Black Mirror itself is like very mixed to me. (laughs) Sometimes it feels edgy just to be edgy. And I don't necessarily think there is a grander point to it than just uh, let me throw in this narrative swerve that is bloody or gross or shocking or whatever. Um, But I also like how critical it can be of the status quo. Um, I think that's sci-fi's like greatest power. And in this season, we sort of move away from that genre into other genres, which we can talk about like how effective that is. Um, But yeah, so I have a very up and down relationship with this show. And when I heard that there are more episodes, I think I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) let's see how those go. I don't think I was immediately excited but I wasn't immediately skeptical. I was immediately curious, which also is more than you can say about a lot of shows, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was I was well, curious going. We got We got to give a shout out to Netflix's marketing team. I thought they put together mm-hmm. an amazing trailer for Black or a series of trailers for Black Mirror season six. Mm-hmm. Um, there are big stars in Black Mirror yeah. season six: uh, Aaron Paul, Selma Hayek, Pino, Josh sure. Hartnett. Like these are uh, Josh big, Hartnett is a big star. Uh, now? We are in the, we are in the middle. Of a heartnessance, Roxana. <laughs> I guess I, spoken by someone who hasn't seen Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre. I was going to say, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I just you know, side note. I think Josh Hartnett looks awesome. Like he just is like he's aged very well, in my opinion. Um, okay, <laughs> doesn't doesn't do it for Roxana. It does it for me. That's fine. Uh, That's fine. We, yeah. we don't always okay. we don't all need to feel the same way about Mm-mm. Josh Hartnett, but. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the, I thought they put together a great, intriguing trailer for season six. Like it, it, that's a trailer that if you were, if you had no idea what Black Mirror was, you watch that trailer. It's like, oh, that's I'm, I want to check that out. Right. Uh, I largely agree. I think there, I think there's very few people for whom Black Mirror has not been a very up and down hit or miss experience. Yeah. That, that seems most of the people I talk with, it's like, yeah, it's really had its ups and downs, uh, and there have been some great episodes and some terrible episodes. Most of the episodes are sad. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the episodes have a really downer ending. I think mm-hmm. probably only two episodes that come to mind have anywhere even close to a positive ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which being San Junipero, you know, like a classic. Which is like uh, everyone's beloved episode. Yeah. Great episode yeah. of television. Great episode of television. Mm-hmm. So uh, at its worst, it's like iPads bad, you know, like <laughs> because yes. like it's like oh, any new technology is evil and bad. It's very yeah. unsubtle and nuanced. At its best, it allowed us to think about the complex trade offs that technology creates in our lives. What do we get? What do we give up? Mm-hmm. And that is what I hope for when I watch episodes of Black Mirror. Is like you make me think about what do we get? What do we give up? Hopefully, you make me laugh. Hopefully, you make me think. Probably you're going to make me sad. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I look for in the best of Black Mirror. Uh, So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about these episodes one by one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Roxanne and I will offer like brief thoughts on whether you should watch it. Then we are going to spoil that episode. I will read a a detailed recap of that episode. Uh, And then we will kind of dive into more specific elements of the episode. So... Uh, that's what we're going to do today. We'll, we'll do it one by one. Today, we're going to be covering episodes one and two. Let's start 
with episode one, very strong offering in my opinion. Joan is awful. Uh, first episode of season six of Black Mirror. Roxana Haddadi, let's start by talking about whether you think people should watch this episode. Is it any good? I think it's good. I don't think it's great. But I think to everything you just said about what Black Mirror does, I think this episode gives you a primer about what the series is about, right? It's about like, what do you, uh, what do you abandon about yourself in this current day and age? Like what rights mm. do you give up? Uh, there's a very, I thought, funny segment about the terms and conditions that we all scroll through <laughs> whenever yeah, we yeah. accept a new app or something like that. So I think uh, the episode really is clear with this sort of like warning about what tech can do. It lost me a little bit at the end, which I think got a little bit too convoluted. But I think this is a good, a solid intro to Black Mirror. If you haven't seen the five preceding seasons, I think this is a good way to understand what the show is about. What about you? Uh, I really like this one. You know, I think mm-hmm. I saw someone describe it as Charlie Kaufman light. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right. I, I, I would agree that uh, it's mind bending and weird and uncomfortable and interesting and funny. Um, agreed that it does get pretty complicated. It, it, it basically at the, at the last like 10 minutes of this episode throws in like five new ideas, but it doesn't yeah. take it doesn't take it too seriously. It's I think it's very it's being a little bit cheeky towards the end and just being like hey maybe think about this too um Mm -hmm. but overall uh i thought it was uh was great it it is i think not necessarily the best black mirror episode or or one of the best but it is like very strong this is like hey this is about technology that we are actually dealing with today uh kind of prescient i would argue like Mm -hmm. uh we have ai generated um uh, you know, movies and TV shows and songs happening right now, but like I have to imagine it was a little bit uh, less developed than it is today when they were shooting this. And so, right. uh, so I appreciate like the kind of foresight. And that's another thing that I, I should have mentioned in, in the preamble is uh, Black Mirror has, despite all its flaws, often called a lot of things that actually happen in real life. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of like elements of real life, you know, sci-fi inventions that have actually come to pass since Black Mirror aired, events that have come to pass since Black Mirror aired. Season one in particular uh, had had some very prescient political developments that I think uh, real life resembles. So so I, re- I quite like this one. I would like really feel comfortable recommending this episode to anyone, Black Mirror fan or not. Just a, a decent, solid ep- episode of sci-fi. Uh, so that's our overall thoughts on Joan is Awful. Let's talk about what actually happened in the episode. Mm-hmm. When Joan is Awful begins, our protagonist, Joan, is uh, – oh, and for some reason, the literally the whole recap just vanished in front of me. Oh, no. But it's Do you back want me to now. read it? It's back. No, I got it. Okay. When, okay. I think it was like a, a versioning control thing. When mm-hmm. Joan is Awful begins, our protagonist, Joan, is living a fairly ordinary life. She's a team leader at a tech company called Sonicle, where we see she has to deal with the unfortunate task of laying off one of her employees. She goes to therapy and complains about her bland relationship with her fiancé, Krish. Later that night, she meets with an ex-boyfriend and considers rekindling their romance. But when Joan arrives home, she and Krish decide to watch a new show on a Streamberry service, uh, like a Netflix-esque service called Streamberry, called Joan is Awful. It stars Selma Hayek-Pino as Joan, and we see Selma act out every detail of Joan's day in graphic detail 
uh, and for everyone to see, including Jones, friends, and family. We later learn that Streamberry is actually using a CG recreation of Selma Hayek Pino to make the show uh, on a daily basis. As the show continues night after night, exposing all the details of Joan's life, Joan realizes that the show is ruining her life and also ruining Selma Hayek Pino's public image. So she takes matters into her own hands. She teams up with Selma to introduce, uh, infiltrate Streamberry and destroy the quantum computer that's been powering the show. End quote. Uh... I don't know why I say end quote. I wrote that. So it's my, yeah. quote. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, just quoting yourself. <laughs> programmed to say end quote when I'm uh, reading something. So, so, uh, that's kind of what happens, uh, for, uh, for the plot of Jonas awful. And I want to start by saying, I am impressed by how much of at least the first two episodes is very anti Netflix. In my opinion, Do you, are you impressed by that? I don't know if I'm impressed by like cashing Netflix checks and then being like Netflix is bad. Like, come on, <laughs> uh, kind of, it's kind of subversive. It's kind of subversive. Is it? I feel I like think, it would be subversive so. if then you like donated the money or something. Like, I just <laughs> I, Charlie Brooker I needs like, a new deck on his house, Roxana. Does he? Uh, I feel like he probably has a lot of decks. Like, I feel like this mm-hmm. is big, a successful show. I don't know. There's something about that that feels very. I I can both acknowledge the fact that it's like cool you took a stand i guess but i also think it just feels hypocritical to me Mm -hmm. to be working i come come from the school of like all selling out is bad i haven't Mm. evolved my politics since being a teenager you're like uh gen yeah roxana's not even a millennial she's gen x apparently from what i'm learning apparently yeah Yes, um, no longer elder millennial. I'm just going to tack some years onto my you're life. You're going to go. You're going to go all the way back to Gen X. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they do. It is very. You're right. It is very Netflix like. It's the same bold red font, the same like rainbow bars before a program starts playing. Yeah, and they it's do a very like. It's a very elements. toxic take on on Netflix. It's yeah. a very like Netflix is bad for society take. Sure. Um, which I really, you know. Hey, I, I, I honestly don't care how you're making the point. Um, and even if you're being paid well by Netflix for it, as long as the point is being made, I think uh, <laughs> good is being done for society. Uh, so it, it's funny to kind of see all the uh, all the little Netflix uh, re- references. Also, like, I don't know if you freeze framed like I did some mm-hmm. of the uh, some of the other shows that they mm-hmm. were considering watching. Um, mm-hmm. But one of them was called the Callow Years, which is referenced later yes. on uh, mm-hmm. in the show. So, like when uh, Joan and Krish are like deciding what to watch, they like page through a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. And one of them was called the Callow Years. Mm-hmm. And this that is comes the up descri- in episode two. It, yeah, it comes up in, in episode two as well. This is the description of the Callow Years uh, that's okay. on the TV uh, in the fake stream. You know net. Fake Netflix Streamberry streaming service. A fascinating six-part documentary exploration of the prime ministership of Michael Callow, including never-before-seen archival footage from some of his most controversial public moments. End quote. Uh, I have to say that sounds pretty boring, and I think that's kind of what the uh, what they were going for, is like, mm-hmm. they're going for a boring-sounding name, a boring description, and then like, uh, just not, not, a, not a bad documentary, just like not something that's like wide interest- uh, but, see, I think. but then that doesn't align with me with what Netflix does, which is makes very like sensational 
over-dramatized documentaries, I right? They, like, I think they do a little bit of everything. I think they do a little bit of everything. But uh, I would have laughed more if it was like a Tiger King joke. Like, I still <laughs> think Tiger enough. King is the apex of the worst uh, documentary style that comes to Netflix. But there's a lot of, like, reporting about this, right? About how, like, Netflix has specifically, like, shaped and also destroyed what the doc genre has been for a long time. So there is reporting on that if people are interested in reading it. Um, But yeah, so what else did you like about this episode aside from the Netflix poking of it all? Yeah. um, So I think it introduces like a bunch of ideas and some of them are compelling and Mm -hmm. some of them aren't. Okay. I'll start with the ones that aren't like w- there was one season. I remember there being like one season of a Netflix where I think it was last season or the one before uh, where every episode was basically some version of what if computers had consciousness? Like mm-hmm. that, that was like one whole season. That was the whole through like every episode ended. And it was like the moral was what if your computer programs were alive? Like and mm-hmm. um, there's a little bit of that in this episode. And I'm just like, look, I've already seen that like five times on Black Bear, uh, you know, at the end when she's about to destroy the quantum cu- computer, it's like all the blood of these programs will be on your hands. And it's like, I've already seen this Black Mirror. Like, you don't need to do this again. Uh, so that was not not particularly interesting to me. Um, here are some things about the episode I liked thematically, right? This idea of uh, that Netflix appeals to the that Netflix and online appeals to the worst parts of you. To keep you engaged, right? Okay. The most base, darkest elements to keep you engaged, um, and th- that resonates with me a lot because we're see we see a lot of that on every social media platform. Is like the stuff that gets the most engagement is like the most horrible stuff, and mm-hmm. I like that this nods to that. Obviously, we don't have that necessarily in the form of Netflix. Um, because like Netflix is not creating dynamic content for us. It's it's created. It's like have it has an algorithm and it has thumbnails personalized for us. But like it's not actually creating content yet for us that's personalized. Um, and, like dynamic, you know, mm-hmm. on the fly generated content. And right. so I, that that theme really resonated with me a lot. The other theme that I think was really interesting. Um, that is, this is kind of like I, David Chen, am bringing a lot to the table here, right? When it comes to this, okay. uh, this theme is like what we have seen in the last year or two, especially with the rise of TikTok. I, I have witnessed it. I, I pay attention to this. Maybe a lot of people don't, but we've seen basically complete random strangers become like regular, ordinary people. They have no public life of any kind other than that they have a TikTok account. We've seen random people be thrust into the spotlight and have the details of their lives uh, exposed for everyone to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just give like an example so like people know what we're talking about. But like um, uh, this city bike thing is a great example. Like uh, there's a a, a, a woman, a, a white woman steals a black man's city bike in New York. The entire encounter is filmed. Uh, and now, like, all of their details are known to the... Like, everyone's like, oh, my God. Like, you know, people, like, descend on these people and uh, and play armchair detective and put all the details of their lives out on the internet and, like, dissect everything that's going on with them. Um, that's just, like, one recent example. But there's been, like, dozens of those examples of, like, 
somebody cuts someone off at an intersection and someone films it and puts it on TikTok and now everyone's like identifying who they are and like exposing all the details of their lives and like how 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 does that make one's life unlivable uh is mm-hmm. i think something that this this episode covers so anyway i've been going on for a bit um but those are some of the themes of this episode that like resonated with me a lot again they're not they're not like directly connected with the actual plot they're just kind of like things that this episode made me think about that i think were pretty cool so uh, like the tiktok stuff is like non-fiction doxing it's yeah, not like right. YouTube celebrity stuff. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's and, it's it's both. It's all of them. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. it happens on YouTube as well. So, mm-hmm. um, I think yeah. what I sort of liked about this episode, to your point of recreating portions of people's lives, is that we see a version of Joan's real life, right? And then we see how the recreation just amplifies mm, yeah. and makes it extreme. And distorts so even, it. Like, distorts yeah, because there is like a baseline of the stuff that she's doing that you could say is bad, right? Like she doesn't deal with Sandy's firing very well. Yeah. It makes her uncomfortable. Um, and then in the Joan is awful version of it, she's smug and catty. And then in the therapist's office... There is some kernel, I think, of like vulnerability to Annie Murphy's performance when she's talking about this relationship with her fiance that doesn't totally fulfill her. And then again, of course, in the Joan is awful version, it's very intensely dismissive of her partner. So I think to your point about like online reality and any kind of performative reality taking uh like the worst aspects of things and just feeding them to be as bad as possible i liked that the show sort of addressed that i also and we talked about this before i just liked the little comments about like all the stuff we accept in our lives that we don't fully understand like your Mm -hmm. cell phone is always listening to you (laughs) and spying on you well and we just accepted that that's true I mean, I have okay, like are you really explain str- to me I, that I, it's I, not true. I have really strong feelings about this. You'll okay. know. You'll notice that the, because I I, I, I I am of the belief that mm-hmm. uh, your your smartphone is not always listening. Um, oh, I think and it is all the time. I, I I don't think it's listening. Um, I don't think it's like recording what you're saying and like mm-hmm. uh, even just storing that information on a database would be like unmanageable for most companies i think the scary thing that we should be afraid of is not that facebook is listening or meta is listening to your phones and recording it and analyzing it the scary thing is that they know what your preferences are without that that's way more scary to me than that the idea that they're listening to your phone um in my opinion i know this is a very controversial because i tried to make this point on tiktok mm-hmm. once and i got uh, people reported me for community guidelines <laughs> violation. So like, I'm like, I'm very careful about, about, about making this point, but you will note Roxana that the episode went right up to the line of saying they're recording your thoughts and then didn't, didn't go past that line. I uh, think it, it says that it's listening to you all the time though. Right. And watching you, it says, Hey, do you know how, when you say a thing and then you see ads for the thing? Well, that's how it knows that it doesn't, it doesn't say it's listening. It doesn't say it's recording anything. It just implies, and you can fill in the blanks with whatever story you have. But I thought that was very mm. clever. It doesn't. It doesn't outright state that it's recording anything, uh, okay. because I personally, I, would, I personally don't think I it would, is. 
<laughs> I would want to go back to the transcript and yeah, read sure. that because because my memory of the discussion with the lawyer is yeah. like she is asking how does it know what my home looks like how does it know like where I'm sitting in my room and everything and I thought that the lawyer says like your phone is always on it's always yeah you're she says your phone is always what you're, you're doing. Yeah, may- maybe. May- I mean, she says your phone is always on. And then you know how when you're hanging out with your friends and you mention blah and then you have ads for mm-hmm. blah everywhere. But she doesn't actually articulate the mechanism by which that occurs. Hmm. As far as I can recall. So I think and, we should argue about this for like five th- I think this should minutes. be the whole episode for sure. This is the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, but regardless of how granular it gets, I always like that sort of – it feels very low lift. But I like it as a reminder of – we trust all these things around us without fully understanding how they work. And I think that part of life is that, right? Like I trust vaccines. I trust airplanes. I trust tons of things that I don't understand the science and math of um, just because smarter people than me do understand. And I trust them. Um, But there is sort of like an intimacy with your phone as something that holds like your voicemails and your photos and all this other stuff that's very close to you that I think it's helpful to sort of be reminded that sometimes that stuff no longer belongs to you and it's just being used for like advertising to your point. Yeah. So I liked that. I really liked Annie Murphy's performance. Yeah, she's wonderful. As Joan. She's I great. think she's great. I think not enough. It's, it's, a not fearless enough perfor- it's a fearless performance, you know, like not enough people watched her in uh, Kevin can F himself yeah. when she's doing this sort of like dark, unhappy, sort of unfulfilled character. Um, and I really liked her going there. I and also she has like a very plausible, Selma. like her reaction to what's going on, it feels very plausible to me, which is yes. not something I can say for a lot of Black Mirror episodes. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're like, oh, there's that person's... Good, yeah, go ahead. There's like a good sense of like humor to what's happening, right? Like the show yeah. doesn't totally play this episode for doom and gloom. Although some other Black Mirror episodes, as you said, are entirely doom and gloom. Yeah. So I like that there was some humor here and a little bit more lightness um, and sort of like uh, people playing themselves or CG version of themselves quality that I think is fun. But how did you feel about the end? Did you like the destruction of the quantum computer and the sense that like everything's fine now? Well, first of all, uh, the... The vision of Netflix, I thought, was very funny. Like she, at the mm-hmm. end, they infiltrate Streamberry, mm-hmm. and there is a woman in uh, Streamberry named Mona Javadi, who mm-hmm. I actually think is like a direct reference to a woman at Netflix. I think it's a reference yeah. to Bela Bajaria. Oh, a hundred percent. And which is like, yeah. just like wow. Like I can't believe you're like making it that personal, dude. Like, can you? Yeah. I, I'm sure Bela Bajaria like approved the, you know, like or they had I'm a conversation. Sure. You know, I don't think like this is the first time she's seeing this portrayal, but no. Uh, can you imagine? It's like he the pitch is like, hey, I want to make a version of you at this fake Netflix, and by the way, that person is going to be uh, cruel, aloof, mm-hmm. obsessed with engagement to the uh, at the expense of our humanity. Uh, it's just like wow, like pretty, See, pretty. Bl- you're really you're hoping people level, get. The, yeah, go ahead. I think when you're at that level of success, like why would she care? 
Well, she's, she's not cashing she, her checks. <laughs> she's not like a super like public figure though. Like you know, you know. Oh, I think she people, is. People like you and me know who Bela Bajaria is, but I don't know that like average person on the street knows who Bela Bajaria is. Anyway, so no, no, no. I'm sure yeah. that the average person on the street. But see, I think that's the power of it, though, right? Like, not enough people know that it's a reference, so it's not mm-hmm. actively harmful. Yeah. If you do know that it's a reference, we can sort of laugh at it like right. we're doing now. But she's still cashing a lot of checks, right? It's like Fair I enough. think a certain level of wealth and fame and power, like who cares about the satire? Yeah. Um, but yes, I think she's very clearly a reference. She had, if you want to know more about her, she had a New Yorker profile, right? And she mm-hmm. had a lot of quotes this week that went viral um, when she was sort of talking about like the Netflix method. Uh, of streaming drops rather than weekly binges and right. like the algorithm and data. And uh, she's very good at saying things that don't entirely check out because we don't have the data to check them out. But yes, so it ends with her in front of this screen of all the like dynamic shows right. that Streamberry is creating. I mean, first, first of all, she's very talent uh, hostile, apparently, because yes. she's like, tell Selma Hayek Pino to F off. And mm-hmm. then... Uh, uh, and then she's like, yes, I mean, I've created a blank is awful out of everyone. And by the way, people mm-hmm. like the is awful because we try. It's very like Agent Smith from The Matrix. Like we tried to make mm-hmm. a happy version of The Matrix, but uh, we people it didn't humans, work. Humans rejected it. Entire crops were lost because mm-hmm. uh, people can't take being happy. Instead, they uh, they need this negative version of themselves to keep them engaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, again, it feels very true to life to me about what humans want in their entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then uh, Annie Murphy starts like destroying this uh, quantum computer. She's about to access quantum computer. And we find out that we are actually not in base reality. We're actually in a simulated reality where Annie Murphy is playing Joan. And then Selma Hayek Pino is playing Annie Murphy. And it's like, Oh, right. And it's a kind of a reference to the idea that we're living in a simulation, I think like, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it's a fun, go- I would describe it as a fun goof. It's not like, uh, super th- thought provoking or anything like that. It's just no. like, oh, that's a, what's a fun little curveball to throw in at the end. Um, and I'm sorry, what was your question? Like, what, what did I think? How did you feel right? about it? Did you find it effective? Because yeah, I don't so know if idea- I necessarily found the simulation stuff that effective. Well, the idea is that they destroy it, and then that allows Annie Murphy and Joan to actually have a real life friendship. And also, yeah. by the way, Joan gives up her job at a tech company and decides to pursue her true passion of starting a cafe. Right, mm-hmm. that's kind of what it is. That's um, nice. It's like it's sort of cozy. It's cute. Yeah, it's, it's like it's the a nicest pat black mirror ending. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a pat ending where like we destroyed the machine and now we can move on with our lives, basically. Right. And so I almost yeah. expected a final twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That undid that happy ending, but yeah. overall it was fine. And yeah. probably my uh, favorite thing about it is tied to something which we might talk about right now as you try to transition us to the next part of this conversation. <laughs> well, case sex in the chat says, did you notice that the aspect ratio was kind of letterboxed up until the end when we get to see the full real Joan and the screen fills up? I don't know if you mm-hmm. caught that, but uh, yes. the, the show plays around with letterboxed and uh, aspect ratios throughout the season. Uh, yes. So I think it's, it is worth keeping an eye on. Yeah. Um, anything else about Joan is awful? Uh, uh, I not enough so- Ben Barnes. That's what I would say. Ben Barnes is in Barnes. <laughs> Ben Barnes is in the episode for about thirty seconds. He plays like Rob Delaney on you know uh, on Streamberry level level two, and yeah. uh, and kisses 
Selma Hayek being a, can, can you imagine like Ben Barnes is living the dream? Okay. It's like, Hey, we're going to pay you $2,000 <laughs> to show up today. And you have to do eight takes where you kiss Selma Hayek, Pino, and that's mm-hmm. that's your whole day. Yeah. It's like sure. wow, like that's work. Can you, can you imagine the life? Can you? Can yeah. we? We we should all be so lucky. Um, mm-hmm. I thought Selma Hayek, Pino, was hilarious in this episode. Like mm-hmm. her interaction with a lawyer uh, was very funny. Um, Annie Murphy storming into the church and. Uh, crapping on the floor it's just like a fun it's like oh yeah that that makes sense that the, i don't know that i would have gone immediately to that level like right after mm-hmm. you know like the, i would have probably tried to escalate it a little bit um before mm-hmm. doing that level but uh why escalate just go to 100 just go to 100 right as away quickly yeah. as you can <laughs> you know but yeah um and, and yeah overall i just i quite liked it it's it's Solid Black Mirror. It's thought provoking. Mm-hmm. It makes you think about like, yeah, what are the ways in which uh, our lives are put out in public for people to dissect? Um, what uh, what are the ways in which this technology, like we've already seen, deep fake technology being used to create? You can create right. a beer commercial on the fly. You can create a movie on the fly now, and it's like, how is that technology going to be used in the future? There is a whole strain of thinking that is that says. Hey, in the future, you'll be able to put yourself into. Imagine being able to put yourself into Avengers Endgame, and like Need we it. can gen- generate it dynamically. And it's like there's a, there's a lot of like tech bros who like fantasize about this, and sure. I don't have that fantasy. Like I don't want to see myself. I barely want to see myself in this decoding TV stuff. I don't want to see myself in like you know a- any of my popular entertainment. But like this uh, is a great exploration of that idea. Like if we actually put people into entertainment what might that look like what what what, mm-hmm. fl- what shape might that take i like that this episode goes into that and what the consequences would be I, it wouldn't take place like this you know like there would no. be an outrage joan would be able to sue it, it, the t's and c's would be vulture would have covered the t's and c's way before <laughs> anything like this happened you know like but um i think you're being very hopeful i i could 100 <laughs> percent see some like crap like this happening um, if only because I think uh, the idea of licensing, which we haven't talked about a lot, but I think the idea of licensing is what's really interesting here is like at a certain level, if you have given your approval and your permission, like people right. can do a lot of stuff, right? It's less about like using AI to just insert yourself into stuff and giving companies the explicit permission to do so. Um, which I think is like the more frightening part of it. But it's, either it's, way, it's a lot of like yeah. solid sci-fi ideas that are sort of thrown out in this episode and they don't have to have answers, right? Like Black Mirror yeah. asks a lot of questions that it never answers, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good way to start the season. Uh, on that last point, you know, there mm-hmm. is, for instance, this like TikTok program where you can make ads for companies and you can make money mm-hmm. this way. So you're like, I shoot an ad, I'm in the ad, and then the company uses it, and then I make money, right? Like it's it's oh it's God. not a bad way to make money. But uh once you shoot that ad, the, the company basically can use your image probably forever. Of course. Like, of course. And so it's like yeah. 10 years from now, do you still want to be advertising, you know, scrub a dub dub sponges or whatever the heck? You know, like right. I, I I think people give up their rights and image likeness rights and images in, in a way that they don't fully comprehend. Mm-hmm. And I do think you, you bring up the good point that this episode does bring that up. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, anyway, uh, 
Uh, solid episode. Uh, Joan is awful. Any favorite quotes from the episode, Roxana? I had a favorite quote um, uh, where Mona Javadi, the Streamberry executive, talks about mesmerized horror. Uh, mm-hmm. She's talking about how like emphasizing the negative elements in people's lives creates mesmerized horror, which really drives engagement, <laughs> which I thought was very, very funny. <laughs> the uh, tonality of that yeah. was really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah very um, good. I... Also, also the way that she kind of casually drops like, oh, yeah, we're going to make we're going to release the one with you in it this Friday. And then like yes. the person she's interviewing is like, oh, yeah, great. That's awesome. Love that for yeah. me. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, that was a great. I... Yeah. I initially was like, I don't necessarily, uh, my nationalism made me say that I don't love that she like is clearly Middle Eastern, but at the same time, uh, you know, tech is, tech is evil and boundaryless. Um, <laughs> my favorite quote was, I really like when Michael Sarah just randomly shows up as the tech guy. And I like that the guy is like, I'm not Michael Sarah. Like Michael Sarah just licensed his face. Right. Um, Which is a very, that like, very... that's a very mind blowing moment where you're like, Wait, Michael Sarah is self-aware? You know, like... Yes. That, that's a cool oh, Michael Sarah has been self-aware for a long time, I think. Sure. In sure. his but, performances. But in the context of the show, you know? Um, sure. Yes. Yeah. So. Yes. I really enjoyed that. Um, there were other moments that were very funny. I don't know if they were quote-worthy, but there are a lot of amusing moments, like, after the first episode airs, when people are sort of interrogating how they come off during the show. Um, that was amusing. And I liked, we're going to watch television in a bar. Yes, we're going to watch television in a bar. I liked that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was awesome. That was good as well. That was awesome, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, well, those are some thoughts on Joan is Awful. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's get to episode two, Lock Henry. Yeah. Overall thoughts, Roxana? Like, should people watch this one? Do you think it's good? What do you think? I I think I really liked this one. I think... Mm. The reveal to me was a little bit less surprising than the final reveal in the first episode, but I thought this was really fun in terms of how it played with like different kinds of true crime and documentary tropes. I like that the episode integrates the kind of style that it's mocking. Um, I did find it disturbing, which I think we like in Black Mirror, right? Like we want to be a little freaked out. Um, And I liked the sort of open-ended nature of the ending. After the first episode had a very like, you're right, like tie the bow, close the loop sort of end. I like that this one is just sort of an unsettling open door. So I I don't know if I, I, do I want to be as bold as to say I liked it more than the first episode? I might. I might be that bold. Wow. That I liked it more. Than the first episode. I mean, it's genre. It was yeah, fun. it's it's genre. It's 
I think here's how I feel about episode two. I like the point it's making. It's a great okay. point. The episode itself is just fine. You know, it's there's oh, no there's fine. no sci fi. Josh Hartnett isn't in it. Is that why? Yeah, that's right. There's that's no why. Josh. That's what I thought. There, yeah, <laughs> there's no there's a startling lack of Hartnett in the episode. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. There is no basically no sci fi elements at all, if I recall correctly. Like there's no. Just, it's just um, it, it is basically a takedown of the true crime industrial complex. Yeah. And, can I can I yeah. say a spoiler alert though? Like this season increasingly moves away from sci-fi. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So I do think if you're sort of down with the shift in this episode, I think you'll enjoy the rest of the season. Yeah. yeah. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not saying I need sci-fi, but like I don't know. Like even like mild sci-fi is is good you know like uh mm-hmm. one of my favorite ones is is um what is it uh the one with the memory one right like the entire history of you you know that's like mm-hmm. okay what if there was one invention that was just integrated mm-hmm. into everyone's life you know that mm-hmm. and it's like oh that's that could something like that could happen and then you're it's not like right. oh we're in flying cars and everything it's just you know and it's so not the jetsons but it's yeah, a it's little like light bit sci-fi something. is like but like and then there was that one but you know then you can get more extreme where it's like um the one with uh is it bryce dallas howard was it, was she in it or I is think it that's one you know where is it her? uh something dive nose dive or whatever uh, now I need to make sure I didn't confuse it. Yeah, with, now you uh, need to look because I don't remember. Nosedive with Bryce Dallas Howard. You know, that's like okay. society has reorganized itself around social points. It's like, that's mm-hmm. like hardcore. So I'm okay being light sci-fi, but, you know, I'm hoping for something like that. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see when we cover the rest of the shows. So, okay. um, so yeah, it's it's basically one point made pretty well. That's kind of what I see episode two as, right? <laughs> Such damning praise. <laughs> I, I, the 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 genre elements of like this is a, so yeah we'll, we'll we'll talk about it we'll talk about it. So anyway, mm-hmm. overall, I I thought it was decent. It's not necessarily why I tune into Black Mirror, you know, but okay. it's it's not it's not bad. And again, it's it is I think a damning indictment of of Netflix. So I mm-hmm. always will go in for that. Um, okay, so let's talk about what happens in the episode. Davis, who's played by Samuel Blinken, and his girlfriend Pia, played by Mahala Har- uh, Harold, visit Davis's mother Monica in the remote. Sorry, rem- uh, Davis's no. mother Janet, played by Janet. Monica Dolan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me start over. Davis and his girlfriend yeah. Pia visit Davis's mother Janet in the remote Scottish town of Loch Henry. Davis and Pia are there to shoot a documentary about an egg vigilante. I think. Um, but a visit to the local pub reveals that Lock Henry has also been the home of a serial killer named Ian Adair. Adair previously killed many tourists and even shot Davis's father, who later died of a MRSA infection as a result. Pia immediately gravitates towards Adair as a much more exciting and marketable subject for their documentary. The two set upon making a new documentary about Adair. One night, while Pia is digitizing some of Janet's old videotapes, uh, she realizes that Davis's mother and father were partners in crime with Adair participating in the murders along with him. Pia tries to escape but dies after falling into a body of water. Meanwhile, Janet unearths a bunch of evidence that she was one of the murderers, leaves it on her kitchen table, and writes a suicide note to Davis before killing herself. As the episode ends, we see that Davis has won a BAFTA for his work on the documentary about the episode's events and that Locke Henry's once-dormant nightlife scene is alive once again thanks to the documentary's popularity. So, 
That's what happens in the episode. Yeah. I okay. I will I will acquiesce one thing to you, which <laughs> is that I think a well known serial killer, even without a documentary, that place would have true crime tourists. Like I think it would already be a source of fascination. Right. Sure. You know. Oh, oh like I see. I, I see. You're, you're saying. You're saying that that's a negative component of the episode. Like that's, that's yeah. Like I'm saying, there's episode. enough true crime mania online, like message boards and communities and Facebook groups and blah blah blah. Yeah. That I think yeah. people would have already sort of been aware of this and mm-hmm. would have turned it into like a tourist destination. It's in Europe. It's beautiful. People go to Europe all the time. <laughs> this is well. This is a uh, what you don't know, Roxana. Is Lock Henry takes place in a universe where Reddit doesn't exist. Mm, so, okay. you know, okay, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so I, I think the genre elements are, are like fine. They're not bad. Like her, uh, Janet, like making the shepherd's pie and like them being mm-hmm. creepily alone in the house. Uh, I, I like the, di- I, like how Pia just can't say the right thing next to around Janet. Like mm-hmm. she keeps stumbling into these social faux pas. That's like a very nice dynamic. Like we've all been there where we're like mm-hmm. with someone, a significant other's parent, and we just can't say the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I and like Janet as well, asking where Pia is originally from. There's also, it goes both ways, right? Yeah, it's like the yeah. awkward girlfriend dynamic and the like slightly out of touch, fumbling, awkward mother character who arguably is somewhat of a performance we find out by the yeah. end. Yeah. Like, I think it's a way to, we, I, we sort of talked about this with succession where Tom's like fumbling Midwesternness sort of becomes like a veil of his actual nefariousness. Mm, yeah. Um, I sort of think we get that with Janet where it's like, Oh, she's just like a nice old lady who actually <laughs> was revealed to be part of like a weird, uh, sexual murderous group. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like I think yeah. the horror genre stuff is good. And I think the, to me, the documentary methodology stuff is better. Where it's like there is a discussion within the episode between Davis and Pia about like what makes a watchable documentary? Like what does a commercial documentary include? And we hear it's like a lot of landscape shots, a lot of like focus on how beautiful this small town or this small community is and then we get those elements integrated within the episode right you get all these beautiful shots of what scotland looks like you get the main street you get the pub um so i like that it is very self-referential uh in sort of a smart way um even before you get to the end of the episode where they basically play the trailer of what this documentary looked like um but yeah i mean like thematically yes there is a lot less to discuss because it's not doing sci-fi stuff it's really just about like what have we come to expect from true crime and what are the ways that it becomes predictable and is that predictability good or bad that's interesting that uh I, i think everything you're saying is right that's not the components of the episode that stick out to me. You know, like, oh, interesting. I, I okay. think it is a deconstruction of not only you. You point out very, very uh, eloquently. It, it's a deconstruction of true crime as like a format, mm-hmm. but also 
it's a deconstruction of the business of true crime. You know, that, those, those are the yeah. scenes that stick out the most for me is when he's talking, he's trying to sell the documentary to historic, which I think is kind of a TLC history channel style, ch- like, uh, style uh, analog. And, and no, the reason, well, it's not a channel. It's like a production company, right? Sure. But I, I, I guess yeah. like the, the final documentary, the way it's presented is very TLC esque in my opinion. It's very like, and you know the woman that was behind it the whole time, and then they're playing like her quotes, which is like very clever, like the way they like put in all mm-hmm. her quotes to make it feel like she's evil the whole time, um, like foreshadowing quotes, which I thought was you know a nice moment when they play that all at the end. Um, mm-hmm. Probably my favorite part of the episode is when you like you recontextualize all of her quotes as though she is the killer. It makes yes. a lot more sense. Um, yes. But you know they're pitching her the show. And she's like, well, I already kind of know who Ian Adair is. Like, what's what's the angle? And he's like, well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I uh, my father died, and mm-hmm. also we can go into the crime scene, which they don't legally have access to, and they're well. Pia, so what's interesting yeah. is Pia is the one in that conversation who is pushing that stuff, right? Like at yeah, that yeah, yeah. point, well, he, and he's kind of like, like going along with her. You know, he's, he's going kind of, along with it, but he's like initially uncomfortable about the idea of like involving himself in the documentary, which I think is, right. of course, like a commentary on like what did documentary filmmaking used quote unquote to be versus what is it now, which is like looking for a personal hook, looking for something that is sellable, looking for a way to make like six to eight episodes of something. Is anybody going to watch the egg vigilante documentary? Right. right? Like, will they get funding for that? Or is it murder that sells? And like, it's usually murder that sells. True crime cannot be separated from commerce. Right. Correct. And, and that is unfortunate. But uh, another, you know, one of arguably one of the most chilling scenes from the episode is the very end. Two, mm-hmm. two, two moments from the end of the episode really stick out to me. Right. One is the woman from Historic giving the speech, which mm-hmm. just feels so fake because it's like and it's so important that we got Davis to tell a story. And it's like we saw earlier on, you didn't really give a crap about, you know, like you only gave a crap about how market, how marketable it was. You didn't care about this as like an important story to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then she's like, Oh, I hate this person. Hey, by the way, do you want to be, you, do you want to appear as Pia in the, mm-hmm. in the, uh, you know, narrative version of it? You know, like it makes you fake um, being in Hollywood, being around show business makes you more fake. And that, this is the uh, movie executive at historic was like a really great way of, of cutting that kind of character down, which I thought was just like really uh, smart. Mm-hmm. But then all the people at the pub wearing the Janet mask. Yeah. Like is, knockoffs of her red mask. Yeah. Um, is a great way of, because basically she wore this mask when she murdered or tortured these people and true crime dehumanizes people. You know, it makes mm-hmm. uh, real life people feel like they, it, it, it people take, um, the thing that's so insidious about true crime is the people who are obsessed with true crime and like actively participate in trying to solve the crime or whatever, posting on message boards or whatever, they dehumanize people because they think of them as characters in a play as opposed to actual human beings. And the thing that's most insidious about it is it's under the guise of justice. Like they, they feel like they're doing the right thing. We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're doing some good for the world by ruining these innocent people's lives. Uh, or, you know, it, it, often in the case, it's like dragging these things out of the, out of the past for our entertainment. 
Um, I think a lot of, not all, but I think a lot of true crime is a truly net negative for humanity, personally. But hmm. that's me, you know? So, yeah. so I resonate yeah. a lot with what the show is trying to say. Right. I, interesting. I am not that harsh on true crime. I think that there are genuinely good things that can come out of um, providing investigations and attention to crimes that the police have not provided resources to. I think that Mm -hmm. we see that a lot. Um, So I don't want to discount the fact that like people who consider themselves like investigators or in yellow jackets parlance, citizen detectives, I think that they can do good things. So I don't want to like write off the genre entirely. Um, I just think to your larger point, like making something commercial and making it entertainment is bad for everything. I don't think it's just true crime, you know, that like necessarily uh, has been negatively impacted by that. So what's funny is that like the stuff that stuck out to you is the stuff to me that was the most like, yeah, of course this show would say that like Mm -hmm. an executive is two faced, like obviously who, Mm -hmm. who who is surprised by that detail, you know, Mm -hmm. um, the stuff that I found more compelling was doing the genre stuff really well. Like I like them breaking into the house where these murders were committed and having like their Blair witch moment where they bring along lemon juice to like fake blood stains or black lights. And then they turn it off and the entire place is like coated with blood anyway. Like I, I like the fact that we could do a horror story that yes, had like a broader message, but the broader message for me was a little bit like, yeah, I know your horror stuff is more intriguing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> than your broader message. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> this episode felt uh, a little bit like, I don't know, thematically slightly underwhelming with the Hollywood stuff. But I really liked the ending and the fact that like Davis got what he wanted. Like his mom knew what he needed for his documentary and knew what he needed to be successful. So, like, in that way, he is a success, but he also lost everything. So, I think that's the point that it comes closest to what you're trying to say, right? That in this search for success, again, you, like, sacrifice parts of yourself that you might not have anticipated. And is the trade-off worth it? Yeah. I think that's sort of the lingering question. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Which is a lot of Black Mirror lingering questions is, is the trade-off worth it? So, I liked this spin on it. Um, but I can understand if you were looking for a sci-fi story, this might not be so effective. Uh, I agree. And I think um, – great point at the end. The the mother's note really was moving to me. You know, She's mm-hmm. like, hey, I have obviously murdered and tortured people, but I'm still going to do one nice thing for my son. Right. Uh, that was, yeah, that was kind of moving for me. I will say, you know, one of the parts of the episode that was like kind of unreal, you know, we haven't talked about the realism of these episodes. Mm hmm. Uh, sure. But I have to say, Roxana, um, in episode one, Joan is awful. The idea that Joan, a white woman dating an Indian guy, and he makes food that doesn't, isn't flavorful enough, that did, <laughs> not, that did not track for me at all. 
Uh, it's like, see, what the- but you don't see, I almost feel like that's like a reverse stereotype. Like what if in cookie, like we don't know his entire background. We don't know maybe if his parents were like very check, assimilated and did gotta not check my biases. Gotta Indian check my biases. Food? Yeah, we apparently don't apparently in the Black Mirror future, like Indian food is not passed down from generation to generation as effectively as yeah. it is in our universe. Well, um, I think what we're assuming is that someone will always cook food from their ethnicity, which is not necessarily true. And can be like it's own. I'm not even necessarily assuming that. I'm assuming that, okay. like you know, I I, I think that um, uh, from my you know general understanding, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of I, I'll just say from my experience as a as an Asian an East Asian person, like mm-hmm. the flavor profile is often a pretty pretty strong one, pretty intense one. You know, for sure. So anyway, uh, the in terms of realism, it's like. The scene when Pia is watching the videotape, it's like, mm-hmm. dude, I know you're like extremely scared, but like maybe turn down the freaking volume a little bit and <laughs> don't have your back to the door. Like, and mm-hmm. you know, th- there's a lot of those kinds of things that happen in Black Mirror where it's like characters behaving completely nonsensically. Of course. Uh, that yeah. happens. Well, not, I mean, you know, yeah. You could extend that with why does she need to like forge the river? She was doing a good job hiding from Janet, like <laughs> behind a gigantic yeah. rock. She did yeah. not need to pass a moving body of water. Um, so, yeah, when, so it, definitely... when it comes to having a, a protagonist that like behaves irrationally, I don't think Mark yes. Henry overcame that. Uh, you know, I think that's fair. Yeah, that, that I, issue, I could see but... that. I also think at the same time, though, like there are things that are very realistic to me. Um, like Davis hanging up on Stuart when Stuart calls and is like, Hey, the pub is full. Like, congratulations. Like that doesn't matter to Davis right now. I also really liked that performance because it's the guy who played Podrick Payne in game of Thrones. And it's so different. It's so different. He's like this kind Mm -hmm. of, he's like this sort of like braggadocious, bro-y, vaguely right wing, uh, small business owner. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. very different. Amazing. All right, yeah. all right. Just for that alone, it gets a few extra points in my book. Does it? So, okay, well, that's good. I'm sorry. So Again, I, he's not Josh Hartnett, but yeah. he does do a good job. I thank thought. you for thank you for that, Roxana. Um, You're welcome. So, so uh, anyway, like the point that this is making, some really great moments in it. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly not a bad episode, but it's kind of Mm-mm. like not why I tune into Black Mirror. We'll see what mm-hmm. the rest of the season holds. Uh, Mm -hmm. Those are our thoughts on episodes one and two of season six of Black Mirror. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Again, uh, if you want to support the show, become a free or paid member at DecodingTV.com. Sign up for the email list if you're free. But if you become a paid member, you're directly contributing to making sure Decoding TV keeps on going. We got a lot of stuff coming out for you in the next few weeks. The Bear. We got Silo coming for you and potentially more. Uh, going to be a packed summer full of TV shows. So be sure to keep it tuned in to podcast.decodingtv.com or subscribe at youtube.com slash decoding TV uh, and you'll get notifications whenever we go live. Roxana Haddadi, where can people find more of your work on the internet? Uh, you can just find me at Vulture and I might write about Black Mirror. I might not, but I am here for these conversations and I'm enjoying them. So thank you guys for listening. All right. See you on the next one. Episode three is what we'll be covering next here on Decoding TV. Goodbye. Bye.